Swami Nikhilanand is a disciple of Jagat Guru Shri Kripaluji Maharaj. He resides at Radha Madhav Dham in Austin, Texas, which is the U.S. ashram of Jagat Guru Kripalu Parishad. He travels America, preaching the philosophy of Sanatan Dharm as taught by Shri Kripaluji Maharaj. In this series of lectures, Swami Nikhilanand explains the three paths to God, Karm, Jnana and Bhakti. He reveals the scriptural teachings behind each path and tells which path is the best one to follow. I've been explaining to you about the path of Jnana and Bhakti in the last few days. Before that I told about Karma and Karma Yoga. So we learned that both in the case of Karma and Jnana, those two paths are incomplete without Bhakti. Someone who is doing good actions on the path of karma has to surrender to God in order to be liberated from maya or attain ultimate bliss. And surrendering to God means doing bhakti. Someone who is following the path of jnana also has to surrender to God in order to get liberation or attain divine bliss. So the karmi who surrenders to God becomes a karma yogi and the jnani who surrenders to God becomes a jnani yogi, but both have to do bhakti. Then we also just have the path of bhakti yoga. So we've been talking the last couple of days comparing the path of jnani yoga and bhakti yoga. And I told you that both surrender to God, both surrender to the same God. But the jnani yogi thinks of God as formless. He worships God in his formless aspect. And the bhakti yogi worships God in his personal form as Sakar Brahm, like Ram or Krishna or any personal form of God. That's the difference. Both are worshipping God. One is worshipping formless God. One is worshipping the personal form of God. Yesterday I talked about how difficult the path of Jnana is. First of all, because the qualification is so high to even begin on the path. Secondly, because the understanding, the knowledge, the philosophy is very difficult, it's very abstract. Then practicing the sadhana is very difficult because it requires total renunciation and cessation of all material desires. Add to that that the jnani is unprotected from God's grace because he's not surrendering to Sakar Brahm. He's surrendering to or he's worshipping Nirakar Brahm. And Nirakar Brahm doesn't do anything including grace. So the jnani has no protection on his path. In the end, the jnani has to surrender to Sakar Brahm anyway to get his grace to become liberated from Maya. Now the question I left you with yesterday, after all of this, you would think that once both have surrendered to God and become liberated and attained divine bliss, then that bliss must be the same, right? They both attain the same God. So if we look into the Bhagavatam, we see that maybe it's not so. Maybe the Bhakt and the Jnani 
don't attain the exact same experience even after liberation. Take one verse. Atmaramashtamunayo Nirgrantha Apyurukrame Kurvantyahitukim Bhakti Mitham Bhuta Guno Hari That even an Atmaram Gyani, Atmaram means he's totally satisfied. With his state of divine bliss. He's attained formless God. He's completely content. He's already experiencing unlimited bliss. Such Atmaram, Purnakam, Paramanishkam. God realized liberated Jnani Paramahansas. Even they, if given the chance, will do bhakti to the personal form of God to experience God in his personal form whereas he's already experiencing God in his impersonal form muktanam apisiddhanam narayana parayana sudurlabha prashantatma kotishvapi mahamune again from the Bhagavatam here Veda Vyasji is saying, out of thousands, millions, kotishvapi, out of millions of liberated souls, meaning jnanis who got liberated and they're experiencing the bliss of nirakar brahm, muktanam apisiddhanam, they've attained perfection. Yet, Narayana Parayana. Out of them, every once in a while, out of millions, one may attain the bliss of the personal form of God. See, it indicates that there's a difference. Attaining God in his impersonal form and attaining God in his personal form is not the same. Although it's the same God. Understand the difference like this. Let's say uh, you're walking outside and you see someone who uh, he's got some rose bushes and instead of clipping the rose flower, he clips a rose leaf and he smells it. Mmm. You think, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he smelling the leaf instead of the flower? So that person may reason with you and say, well, both are the same rose plant, right? Whether you take the root or the stem or the leaf or the flower, the DNA would be the same. Chemically, it's the same thing. It's the same rose plant. So why shouldn't I smell the leaf instead of the flower? But you know, yes, it's the same rose plant, but there's a difference between the leaf and the flower in the experience. Along these same lines, we know how good the wood of sandalwood, chandan, smells. Could you imagine what if the sandalwood tree had a flower? Which it doesn't, but what if it did? If the wood smells that good, how good would the flower of the sandalwood tree smell? So in this way we can guess that nirakar brahm, and Sakar Brahm, the difference would be something like that. It's the same thing, yes. 
the same God, but there's a difference in the experience. There's some extra thing that can be experienced from Sakar Brahm. Take another example. Let's say, again, you're walking by and you see someone chewing on the branch of a mango tree. And you say, you know, what's the matter with you? Why, why don't you eat the mango? Why are you eating the branch? And he says, it's the same thing. There's no difference. Chemically analyze the two. They have the same DNA. But you know, there's, a, there's something special in the fruit that isn't, you see, the same DNA in the branch manifests in one way and manifests in a different way in the fruit. So internally, whether God is formless or he has a form, yes, he's the same internally, but he's manifesting different characteristics which can be experienced. Now let's say, take sugarcane. How sweet is sugarcane? We all know. But sugarcane doesn't have a fruit. Could you imagine the sweetness of that fruit if it did? That's like the difference between the sweetness of the bliss of formless God and the sweetness of the bliss of the personal form of God. Jayastvishamityavadharitam pura tata shaririti vibhavitakritim vibhur vibhakta vayavam pumanitik one time Naradji was coming from Swarg and he was descending towards the earth planet and the residents of Dwarika saw him from a great distance descending from the sky. But at that distance all they could see was a great bright light. They couldn't make out what it was. As he came closer, then they could see, oh, there's some form shining within the light. They could make out a form. And then when he came all the way down, then they saw, oh, it's Naradji. Similarly, God has been described as having three forms, the same God having three forms. The same God is called Brahm when he's formless, Paramatma in his almighty form, and Bhagavan in his loving, gracious, personal form. Again, this is not three gods. It's one tattva appearing in three forms, like if you have water. Water can also be solid, then we call it ice. When it's liquid, we call it water. And when it's vapor, we call it steam or vapor. But it's not three different things. It's the same thing. But the uses are different, right? You don't say that ice and water are synonyms. Chemically, they're synonymous. So internally it's the same thing, but they have different uses. If uh, on a day like today, you said to uh, you know someone, hey, can you bring me uh, some soda pop with uh, ice in it? And instead they brought you some hot drink, some boiled water. <laughs> so 
I asked you for ice, not boiling water. Oh, what's the difference? H2O is H2O, right? But you know there's a difference in the use. Similarly, there's a difference in the experience of God depending what form he's in. You see, Brahm, formless God, is worshipped by and attained by the Jnanis. So when Jnanis attain formless God, their mind is totally pure. And in their purified mind, they experience the bliss of formless God. They conceive of their oneness with omnipresent formless God. Paramatma is worshipped by yogis. <clears throat> so this Paramatma, see the, remember the uh, example of Naradji. So the Jnani's form would be like just the light, no form. Then Paramatma is worshipped by the yogis. That would be like the light with a form that you can see. So the yogis worship and attain Paramatma. And the Bhaktas, they worship Bhagwan. Bhagwan means God in his personal form that you can just see and talk to and relate to. Take a mango. Let's say you just saw a mango. Or you saw and smelled a mango. <clears throat> or you saw and smelled and tasted that nice, ripe, sweet mango. It's the same mango with a distant experience, closer experience, and the closest experience. So the same God is experienced very distantly by the Jnanis, like seeing Naraji from way away. The same God is experienced closer by the yogis as Paramatma. Paramatma means God in his form as he resides in each person's heart, keeps track of their actions and gives them the consequences. That's Paramatma. And he's experienced even closer in the form of Bhagwan by the devotees, by the bhaktas. Bhagwan means like Ram and Krishna in his personal form. So you're getting an idea now that the same God, who's internally one and the same, no matter what form he's in, the same God appears in different ways, three main ways according to our scriptures. Formless, we call Brahm or Nirakar Brahm, Paramatma or Bhagwan. can understand through another analogy. Take sugar again. The same sugar, when it's slightly refined, the, the, the cane juice, if it's slightly refined, it's called gula. If you refine it further, it's called chini. And refine it further, it's called mishri. It's the same thing. But it's refined further and further. If someone comes to your house and you make chai for them and you put gula in it, they might be insulted. If you put chini in it, they'll say, oh, okay, fine, it's normal chai. And if you put mishri in it, they'll think, oh, he showed me such great respect. But it's the same thing. Internally, it's the same, but a different experience. Take a rose plant again. The same rose flower in a bud stage, partially opened and in full bloom. It's the same, right? In that bud stage is like Brahm. None of the characteristics are manifested. They're all in there, 
but they're not manifested outwardly. Partial bloom, that's like Paramatma. So Paramatma has a form. You know him as Vishnu. There are other almighty forms as well, like Shiva, Durga, etc. So partial manifestation of those gunas. And then as Bhagwan, it's like full bloom. The total manifestation of all the characteristics and powers. That's why only Ram and Krishna do leelas. Because their leelas aren't manifested as Paramatma and certainly not as Brahm. Because Brahm doesn't even have a form. But it's the same. One single God is experienced in these various ways. Think of a pregnant woman. Let's say she's pregnant with her first child. She feels happy expecting the child. She hasn't seen it yet, touched it. She has no experience of that child, but she knows I'm pregnant. And then as the child grows inside of her and it gets closer and closer to the time of the birth... She feels happier and happier. So there's a happiness even though she hasn't seen the child yet. The happiness is experienced in her mind by thinking about her unborn child. After the child is born, then she gets to see him, touch him, hug him, see his facial expressions, see his bholapan, his innocence, how charming that is. Then he starts learning to walk and talk. All of that is so charming. Now, ask that mother, once she's experienced that form of her child, ask her that that's the same child that you were enjoying when he was in your womb, right? You felt happy then too. So, this is the same child now that you're watching play and grow up. Would you like to go back to that happiness of when he was in your womb? She said, why would I want to do that when I can experience my child with all of my senses? Why would I want to go back to the state where I just think of him in my mind when I can't even see him yet? He's abhyakt, is unmanifest. Just like this is the jnani's experience of Brahm. He's abhyakt. They have no way of experiencing him other than in their mind, in their antahakarana. They experience the bliss of formless God. But the bhakt is like seeing that child after he's born and getting to... can say the bhakt enjoys the bliss of God with all of his senses, not just through his thinking, not just in his antahakarana, but... Through seeing, hearing, touching, smelling, tasting, through all of his senses. So it's further enriched. There's something more. So now I'll give you some examples that shows you historic examples from our scriptures of saints who were jnani saints. They were already enjoying the unlimited bliss of formless God. And what happened to them? Let me give you one example. Sanakadik Paramahans are the foremost jnanis of Satyug. We'll start in Satyug. In Satyug, the foremost jnanis are Sanakadik Paramahans. They're four eternal jnani saints, four brothers. 
One time they went to Vishnu's abode in Vaikunt. See, they're absorbed in formless God and they're enjoying that unlimited bliss, but they went to the abode of the personal form of God. In Vaikunt abode, before they even saw Vishnu, something happened. There was a tulsi flower in the divine world. Tulsi plants also have flowers. There was offered at the lotus feet of Bhagwan Vishnu. So the scent of that tulsi flower was picked up by the wind along with the fragrance of the lotus feet of Bhagwan. And that scent entered the nostrils, antargate. It entered through their nostrils and just through the scent. You see, jnanis don't experience through any of their senses God's divine bliss. So he just smelled the fragrance. And his means that samadhi they were in where they were just absorbed in the bliss of formless God that was revoked their samadhi was finished why? because their mind was forcibly attracted to that bliss of the personal form of God and they exclaimed then they went and actually had darshan they saw Vishnu and they said Kamam bhava svavriji nair nirayeshuna syat chetolivad yadinute padayorameta vachaschanastulasivad yaditengrishobha puryetate gunaganair yadikarnarandra they prayed to Mahavishnu and asked him for a boon. They said, Please let us be born in Narak, but on this condition that you give us continuous bhakti to your lotus feet. In other words, we want to keep enjoying the bliss of Sakar Brahm, and if we have that, we'll be happy to be sent to Narak, but we don't want our bliss of formless God anymore. So you see, it's not that uh, they changed gods. It's the same Vishnu who they were experiencing as formless, but they got something more. So they graduated, you can say. Now come to Tretayug. In Tretayug, the greatest jnani of that time was King Janak. He was called Videha. In other words, <clears throat> he was so completely absorbed in the bliss of Nirakar Brahm, we call Brahmanand, that he had no consciousness of his own body. So he was called Videha. Can you imagine a state of such divine bliss that nothing in this world could disturb his mind? That King Janak when Vishwamitra brought Ram and Lakshman to Mithila for the first time and they came before King Janak, 
Now think of his situation. He's already completely absorbed in the bliss of formless God and then Ram and Lakshman walk up in front of him. So listen to what he says. Inahi vilokat ati anuraga barabas brahma sukhahi manatyaga he says, Inahi means unhe, unko vilokat, dehtehi, barabasa brahma, sukhahi manatyaga, or ati anuraga. My mind was, it just renounced the bliss of formless God and it's drowned in the anurag, in the love of seeing the divine beauty. See, imagine. He was already experiencing God, but as formless. He never saw the divine beauty of God. Now he saw the divine beauty in God's personal form. And he said, Sahaj virag rupa manamora chakita hota jimi chandra chakora There's a bird which is referred to in a lot of poetry in India, the Chakor. The Chakor is so in love with the full moon that when the moon rises, that bird just keeps staring at it the whole night, all the way across the sky, without blinking. Jimmy Chakor Chandra. So just like that Chakor bird watching the moon, my mind, which was Sahaja Virag Karup. Virag means... No feelings of attachment or desire. Perfect peace in the mind. Then he says, Ati Anuraga. <laughs> My mind was Sahajviraga Roop. Now it became Ati Anuraga. I'm so in love with the beauty of Bhagwan Ram that now I can't stop looking. Ye hal hai ka Bhagwan ke divya roop ko dekkar. So there's something very special in the bliss of the personal form of God. Now come to Dwaparyug. In Dwaparyug, the foremost jnani was Uddhav. Uddhav was a personal friend of Sri Krishna in Mathura and his, one of his advisors. Uddhav, again, was experiencing the bliss of formless God, yet... He had no idea that Krishna is the same formless God whom he was experiencing. So Krishna is thinking, what will the world say if my own personal friend only goes as high as this Brahmanand and I never am able to grace him with Premanand, the bliss of Bhakti, the bliss of the personal form of God. So he said, I have to think of a way. He said, there's a rule it's the way things happen spiritually. God doesn't grace anyone directly with divine bliss. He does it through a divine personality, through a saint or a guru. So he said, Uddhav needs to receive the grace of the gopis of Braj because they know me as I really am. But if I tell him to go and learn from the gopis, what will he think? He's a jnani. He knows all the Vedas. 
And as far as he's concerned, the gopis are illiterate ladies of Braj. Why would he go and learn something from them? And I'm his personal friend, so if a friend were to tell you something like that, that why don't you go to Braj and learn something from the gopis? He would just probably make a joke out of it. He wouldn't take him seriously. So Sri Krishna thought of another way. He said, Uddhav, you know the gopis are suffering a lot in my absence. They miss me so much. So why don't you go and teach them that you yourself are Brahm, you're not separate from anything, and then they'll forget about me and they won't uh, be suffering in this viraha. So Uddhav said, sure, I can do that. And he went to the gopis. He went to give knowledge to the gopis. But what he ended up doing was leaving his knowledge there and coming back with a higher knowledge. Because through his uh, interaction with the gopis, he realized that they were seeing Krishna everywhere already. But they were seeing him in his personal form. Whereas Uddhav just felt that God, formless God, was everywhere, so he has no separation from God. That was his state, and the gopis were up here because they were playing with God all the time. Krishna was everywhere for them, and he surrendered his knowledge at their feet, adopted them as his guru, and with their grace, he also gained that experience. And for six months, without even knowing it, he was wandering around Braj. When the gopis graced him and he saw Krishna everywhere, he was so vibhor. He just wandered around Braj, absorbed in the bliss of Premanand. And after six months went by, Thora Hoshme Age, he asked one gopi that, uh, How long have I been here in Braj? Six months? He was so amazed. He's thinking, Krishna must be wondering what happened. He sent me. Okay, I'll go back to Mathura. So he went back to Mathura, but of course Krishna knew exactly what had happened, and what happened was exactly what he wanted to happen. And when Uddhav returned, he said to him, he says, Krishna, give me one more favor. Give me one more boon. Let me be born as a vine or a flowering creeper or a flowering plant in Vrindavan so that I can receive the foot dust of the gopis. When they walk by, their dust will go up in the air, and that should fall on my head. It would, if I were a plant there in Vrindavan. So please grace me with that one more thing. This is an example of a jnani. <clears throat> See, he actually was graced with that. It's told in the Bhagavat Mahatmya, that when King Parikshit and Bajranab arranged a big kirtan at Kusum Sarovar near Govardhan, at that time Uddhav appeared out of that area because he was residing as a creeper in that area and then he appeared and he told the whole Bhagavatam there to Vajranab and all of the queens of Dwarika. 
So, jnanis who get graced with premanand of Shri Krishna, they become the plants of Vrindavan, even in the divine world. They don't get to become gopis, they don't get to become gualbals, but they consider themselves lucky to be able to take the form of a static being in the divine abode of Bhagwan Shri Krishna and experience premanand, which they consider to be a greater experience than brahmanand. Now, also in Dwapar Yuga, of course, there is Vedavyas. Vedavyas rewrote all of the Vedas and separated them from one into four sections. He also wrote the Brahma Sutra, rewrote the other five Darshan Shastras, rewrote all the Smriti Granthas, rewrote Valmiki Ramayan, revealed 17 Puranas, the Mahabharat, including the Gita. Who could be a greater jnani than Vedavyas himself, the knower of all the scriptures? Yet after doing and revealing all of this knowledge, he was still unsettled. He felt like something wasn't done. His work was unfinished. He was sitting near his ashram on the bank of Saraswati River and just trying to think, what's left for me to do? I've revealed all of this knowledge and all of these scriptures. Muhyatya Jnana Sagare Bhagavat Mahatmya says he was just so restless. So Naraji comes to him. Naraji comes and explains Veda Vyasji, you revealed all of this knowledge, but one thing you haven't made clear the greatness of Prem, Premanand. Premanand means the bliss of the personal form of God. You haven't made it clear that that's the topmost thing. So you have to do that. Write such a scripture where you show that the bliss of Brahmanand is one thing which is also unlimited and the bliss of Premanand is also unlimited but it's a higher experience of the same God. So you have to show that and while you're at it Reveal all of Krishna's leelas in chronological order. Okay, I'll do that. So Veda Vyasji did bhakti to Shri Krishna, got his divine vision, and then he revealed the Bhagavatam. So at the very beginning of the Bhagavatam, in the third shloka, he says, Nigamakalpatarorgalitam phalam shukamukhadamritadravasanyutam muhuraho bhuvibha muhuraho rasika bhuvibhavuka Pibat Bhagavatam Rasmalayam. He says, O saints of the world, meaning jnani saints, any kind of saint who's already experiencing the bliss of God, 
If you haven't experienced the premanand of Shri Krishna, Pibhata Bhagavatam, come and drink the ras. Pibhata means to drink Bhagavatam rasam alayam. This Bhagavatam is like just containing the ras of premanand. So come and drink that. Bhagavatam is also called Paramahansa Sanghita. Because those Paramahans, those Jnani saints who are completely absorbed in the bliss of formless God, they renounce their Samadhi in order to drink the Ras of the Bhagavatam. And the biggest example of this is Vedavyasji's own son, Shukadeo Paramahans. Shukadeoji is a unique example of a Jnani Paramahans. As soon as he was born, because he stayed in his mother's womb for 12 years, he didn't want to come out because he knew, he had heard that as soon as a child is born, Maya takes over and he forgets God. Because in the womb, every child remembers, Oh God, you have given me this human birth. I'm going this time I'm going to use this human life to do bhakti to you for my whole life. Then as soon as we're born, Maya Lagjati and we forget about Bhagwan. We get all bound up in our worldly activities. So he says, uh, one day Vedavyasji, his father, he said, uh, Who are you anyway? He's talking to this child who's been in uh Pingla Devi, his wife's womb for 12 years. Who are you? Why don't you come out? So he said, uh, Father, I'm not coming out because I don't want Maya to make me forget about God. So he says, you don't worry. You have my blessing. Maya is not going to affect you. So Shukdeoji just appeared out of his mother. And he was tw- as big as a 12-year-old. And not wearing anything, he just walked out of the hut and into the jungle. And he was completely absorbed in the bliss of formless God. So he's a born Jnani Paramahans. So his father was saying, what? You know, where are you going? We're, we have rituals to perform here. There's a certain ritual you perform when the child is born. Some other that you have to do along the way. You're just going to the jungle like a sannyasi. You can't take sannyas yet. Yam prabrajantam anupetam apetakrityam dvaipayano virahakatara ajuhava putreti tanmayataya taravobhine dustam sarvabhuta hridayam munimanatosmi bhagavatam. So Shukadevji is just heading out into the jungle and behind him Vedavyasji is calling out Putra, Putra, oh my son, come back, where are you going? But Shukadevji is not hearing anything. He just keeps walking. Drishtvanuyanta paramatma Drishtvanuyanta parimratma kimapa Pietabhyam Devyo Hriyan Paridadhurna Sutasya Chitram Taddikya Prichhati Munau Jagadustavastis 
On the way he passes a pond where there are some celestial apsaras bathing where they're not wearing any clothes and he passes by and keeps going and they don't take much notice of him. And then Vedabhyasji, his hundred-year-old father with an, his old gray beard, following behind his son, Oh, son, come back, where are you going? And he notices that these ladies covered up when he came close. But they didn't take any notice of his young son. So he stopped and he said, uh, Why didn't you cover up when my son went by, but you covered up when I came by? They said, uh, Vedabhyasji, there's a difference between you and your son. Your son is Paramahans and you are Hans. Brihadaranya Kopanishad says, Yatrahi dvaitam iva bhavati taditara itaram jighrati taditara itaram pashyati yenedam sarvam vijanati tam kena vijaniyad vidyataramare kena vijaniyaditi this is the state of a Paramahans. For him, the whole world is Brahm. He is Brahm. Everywhere he looks, it's like he sees only Brahm. He hears only Brahm. There's, the world is Shunya for him as far as seeing differences. He doesn't see any difference in anything. So that's why Vedavyas could go on calling his name. He wasn't going to hear it. He walked by. For him, there was no difference between a rock, a tree, and those ladies bathing. There was no difference for him. But Vedavyas, who's also established in divine bliss, but he's a hunts. Hans means he sees the difference. Even though he's established in divine bliss, he's also aware of the differences around him. And in the state of Paramahans, you become so absorbed, you're not even aware of anything other than just the divine bliss. So they said, Vedavyasya, you noticed us. And we could tell. That's why we covered up and we could tell that Shukdeoji didn't notice anything. There was no difference between a rock or a tree or us. So anyway, Vedabhyasji gave up following his son. He came back and Shukdeoji went further into the jungle. And eventually it became very thick and he just decided or, or just stopped walking. He sat down and then lay down in unconscious Brahmalin Samadhi, unaware of anything in this world and totally absorbed in the bliss of Nirakar Brahm, Brahmanand. Now sometime after that, in the meantime, Vedavyasji wrote the Bhagavatam and one of his disciples happened to find Shukadevji in that Brahmalin Samadhi state lying in that deep jungle. He sang a verse of the Bhagavatam and you would be interested to know that even though Shukadevji couldn't hear a single sound in this entire world, nothing could evoke him from his Samadhi. It didn't matter how loud the sound was, no material sound could penetrate his samadhi. Yet when this disciple sang this one simple shloka of the Bhagavatam, which was imbued with the divine qualities of Shri Krishna, 
it evoked his samadhi. He actually came out of his samadhi because of a softly sung verse of the Bhagavatam. He opened his eyes and he said, what was that? Ahovakiyam stanakalakutam jighansaya payayadapyasadvi lebhe gatim dhatryuchitam tatonyam kamvadayalum sharanam brajema. This is the verse. Now, for ordinary people, we have no special experience hearing that verse because we're not qualified. Shukadeoji, having a divine being established in divinity, he was qualified to experience the ras. And since that ras was the ras, ras of Sri Krishna, the ras of Premanand, so it was a higher thing, or you can say a heavier thing. If you think of uh, samadhi like a glass of water, and if it's brimming with water, you can't put any more water in it. So no material sound could penetrate his samadhi, but if you could put honey in it, right? The honey is heavier than the water. So in that way, the bliss of Sakar Brahm penetrated the bliss of his samadhi and evoked him. And he became conscious and said, that what I experienced, those gunas of Shri Krishna, that shloka actually described the kindness of Krishna, just his kindness. That was so powerful an experience for him, he said, I want more. Where can I experience more of that? So the disciple told him that your father, Veda Vyasji, wrote this shloka and 18,000 more just like it. It's called the Bhagavatam. So, come and hear the whole Bhagavatam from him. And he did. Imagine Shukadevji was at the final antim sthiti of Gyan. And he came back to Shravan. Remember the steps in Gyan Marg. First Shravan. Then Manan, then Nididhyasan, then you enter into Samadhi. Shravan mean, meaning listening. So he's already in Samadhi and leaving his Samadhi behind, he came back to do Shravan. Of what? Shri Krishna's Leelas so that he could hear, so that he could experience the Ras of those Leelas. So you see, there's a difference. <clears throat> Come to Kalyug now. In Kalyug, the most famous jnani was Shankaracharya. And you heard all about Shankaracharya yesterday, how he himself did bhakti to Sri Krishna, and how he expressed that he had no desire for liberation. He himself only wanted to experience the bliss of the personal form of God. And you also heard about one of his great followers, Madhusudan Saraswati, who also became a devotee of Sri Krishna. So Madhusudan Saraswati says, Mayatapantha Pathibhimarathya Digambara Kopitamalanila Binyastahastopinitambabimbe 
धूता समाकर्षति चित्तवित्तम he exclaims O gyanis of the world be careful don't come this way near vrindavan so people are thinking what what's the big deal what's going on is someone shooting is something happening is there any danger no 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 danger so what's the big deal there's a boy standing here on the side of the road and he's dark complexion bluish complexion and he's not wearing anything he's just like a 4-year-old boy he's not wearing anything and he's standing there like this in the path so gyanis i'm warning you don't come this way why not because right now you're enjoying that nice peaceful bliss of brahmanand right well if you come here this little boy he's going to steal your heart and then your bliss of brahmanand will be revoked forever and you'll just be drowned in the bliss of premanand so don't come this way another gyani says nigamatarau pratishakham mrigitam militam param brahma militam militam idanim gopavadhuti patanchale nadham he says you know that brahm that we spent so much time looking for in all the different branches of the vedas and upanishads because brahm is described in so many different places in the upanishads with great difficulty we gained that knowledge and we attained nirakar brahm well you know what the same brahm can be seen here in braj tied to the apron string of a gopi she's got him tied up so he can't go anywhere that brahm that we had so much trouble finding he's tied up here in braj so why don't you just come here to braj another gyani exclaims shrinu sakhi kautukamekam nandani ketangane maya drishtam godhuli dhusarango nrityati vedanta siddhantah he exclaims o gyanis you know that nirakar brahm who is the the philosophy of the upanishads the siddhant of the vedant that same nirakar brahm you won't believe it here in braj in the courtyard of nanda baba in his angan i saw that brahm in the form of a little boy dancing to please his mother you can't believe it so he says paramimam upadeshamadriyadvam nigamavaneshunitantakhinkhedakhinna forget about searching for brahm and all the extensive branches of the vedas just come here and find your brahm tied to the ukal by mother yashoda another gyani says gopalangan kardame viharase vipradvare lajjase 
ब्रूषे मौनम विधत्से सताम दास्यम गोकुल कामिनीशु कुरुषे स्वाम्यम नतत्तात्मसु जाने कृष्ण त्वदीय पाद युगलम प्रेमय कलभ्यम परम this Gyani says, it's amazing. The same Brahm, the same Supreme God, who is so hesitant, you see, great yagyas have been performed. And in those yagyas, they're making great offerings according to all the rules and regulations of the Vedas. And in such yagyas, God doesn't go and appear. The same God who won't appear in such great yagyas, He can be seen in one place, in one village, Nandagao, in one house's angan, playing in the mud, getting scolded by His mother. I just dressed you and you came and rolled in the mud again? That Brahm, He goes on to say, that same Brahm here in Braj, you know the calves, he goes and talks to them. Not with words, with their words, by going, hmm, 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 like that. Hmm, hmm, meaning, oh, are you hungry? Well, there's nice green grass over there. Hmm, 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 should I let you go? Right now, you know, the my mother and father, they won't see. I can let you go. You can go eat that grass and then come back. Mm, he's having a whole conversation like this. So he says, here's Brahm, Supreme Brahm, talking to the calves like that. In the mandirs, pandits recite great mantras, following all the rules. He doesn't come and talk to them. He's there in the form of the murti, maunam. He's just standing there, he never says anything, but he's here in Braj talking to the calves. The same Supreme Brahm in Braj, he himself becomes Das to the gopis. Yet he's hesitant to go into the meditation of the yogis, even as a Swami. He doesn't go there, but he's more than willing to become a Das to the gopis. They say, oh, we have some chach for you. Chach, this is what's left over after you take the butter out. Oh, you have chach? Yes, yes, I do. But you have to dance for it. Okay, so Krishna dances. And he says, now can I have the chach? Just as he's asking, another gopi comes and uh, the gopis are saying, Oh, Krishna was just dancing for us. Oh, he was? I didn't get to see. Krishna, dance again. Okay, Krishna dances again. Now can I have... Just then another gopi comes. Oh, gopi, did you know? Sakhi, he was just dancing for us. Well, he didn't dance for me. Krishna, dance for me now. So, this goes on for some time. Then Sri Krishna says, Okay, can I have chach now? So the gop, one gopi says, Sure, you can, but I don't have any chach here. You have to come back to my house to get it. So Krishna follows her back to her house. Now where's my chach, gopi? Well, you don't just get chach like that. First, I have to churn the curd. 
then take the makhan out, then what's left over is chach. So, in other words, she wants to have Krishna's darshan for longer. So she's finding a way to keep him around. Eventually, she makes the chach and she gives it to him. But you see, Krishna's following these gopis around, dancing when he's told to. In other words, he's become their servant. Yet, he's very hesitant to go even as a swami into the meditation of the great yogis. So, this is the sweetness of the bliss of Sakar Brahm. So, that bliss is attainable through performing bhakti. So, even though the jnani surrenders to God to get his grace, yet once he becomes liberated and he's experiencing the bliss of formless God, yet there's still something more beyond that and you saw that through the examples of all these great jnani saints that given the chance they will forget about their bliss of formless God and drown themselves in the bliss of Sakar Brahm. So now we've heard enough about Gyanmarg. It's time to focus on the path of Bhakti. Exactly what do we have to do? Because you understand now the path of Gyanmarg is too difficult for ordinary souls like us and even if we could follow it the goal that we reach at the end is not, would not give us the bliss of Premanand so we have to do Bhakti if we want to attain the highest thing and on top of that the path of Bhakti is easy to do it's easy to qualify for yet it still has to be properly understood so many people are doing Bhakti we've done Bhakti in uncountable lifetimes yet we've never attained God because we never understood all the conditions of Bhakti Saying bhakti is easy does not mean there's not a right way to do it. There is a right way and a wrong way to do bhakti. There are conditions that have to be fulfilled on the path of bhakti. So that's what we're going to concentrate on now for the next eight days of this pravachan. We have eight days left and all eight days are going to be dedicated to the practical form of bhakti. How do you do bhakti so that you can be successful? So we'll continue from tomorrow on this topic.